0: This is Marcus de la Fleur, landscape architect from Chicago, who likes to play in the rain. You're listening to 1590 WCGO, Chicago Smart Talk. The Mike Novak Show starts in three, one,
1: two, two. 1, <laughs> Can we do it again? No, that's, no. I'm going to use that one. That is hilarious. <laughs> that's really funny.
2: This is the Honey Badger. Watch it run in slow motion. It's pretty bad. Look it runs all over the place. Whoa, watch out says that bird. Ew, it's got a snake. Oh, it's chasing a jackal Oh my gosh. Oh, the honey badgers are just crazy The honey badger has been referred to by the Guinness Book of World Records as the most fearless animal in all of the animal kingdom It really doesn't give a sh**. If it's hungry, it's hungry. Ew, what's that in its mouth? Oh, it's got a cobra. Oh, it runs backwards. Now watch this. Look, a snake's up in the tree. Honey badger don't care. Honey badger don't give a It just takes what it wants. Whenever it's hungry, it just, ew, and it eats snakes. Oh my god, watch it dig. Look at that digging. The honey badger is really pretty bad. They have no regard for any other animal whatsoever. Look, and it's just grunting and ew, eating snakes. Ew, what's that, a mouse? Oh, that's nasty. Oh, they're so nasty.
3: the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, green gardening and environment radio, flavored with a dash of humor. Welcome to intelligent, irreverent talk about plants and the planet they grow on. Your questions, comments, and participation are always welcome at 877-711-5611.
4: Good planets are hard to find, temperate zones and climbs. True currents and thriving seas. Wind blowing through breathing trees. Strong ozone and safe sunshine. Woo! Good planets are hard to find.
5: Good planets! This week's show is brought to you by Happy Leaf LED Grow Lights. USA made with a five year warranty. Jumpstart your plants with better light. And Just by Sitka Salmon Shares, bringing air. responsible and sustainable wild and course, Alaskan seafood direct to your door.
3: Good are and here they are, Peggy the Malecki and Mike Novak.
1: And we welcome the triumphant return <laughs> of Honey Badger.
5: Oh, that's nasty!
1: Oh yeah, I have not had that out uh, for a while, and uh, i i had to I had to bring it back because uh, it's always fun to play this.
2: Honey badger don't care. Honey badger don't give
1: a All right, so there you go. And, there you go. And that's the way I feel most of the time. It's just uh... Honey
2: badger don't care. Honey badger don't give a
1: uh and <laughs> so uh, uh I haven't had I haven't played Honey Badger on the show in years. And I thought, you know what? I've been thinking about it for a long time. Honey Badger needed to make a return to the show. So, there we go. But I keep it uh, more or less clean for uh, uh my yeah. audience's more or less. All right. But the other thing that we have coming up, it's not this week, but uh
6: Oh, in the name of God, now oh, I know what it
1: feels like to be God. Oh. <laughs> uh, the lights are flickering uh, in the studio I, I don't already. Know, I don't know what's going on here. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy <laughs> Malucki. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's just uh, everything just keeps running into each other and bumping into each other, all the stuff we do and all the stuff we're mm-hmm. running around doing. I mean, this past week is a perfect example. We, we'll talk a little bit later in the show about a couple of events we were at. We were at the Impact Conference uh, for the ILCA uh, and interviewed a bunch of people. Oh, yeah on Facebook Live, um, horticulturists about various things going on, including, well, we had Marcus DeLaFleur, who was on the show here, but we interviewed him again, and again, Thomas Rayner, who was on the show, and interviewed him again at Impact, but we interviewed other people as well, talking about all kinds of things in the sustainable Mm -hmm. horticulture world. And then two days later, we were at...
5: The Open Lands Luncheon
1: the Open Lands Luncheon, where we mingled with, you know, a thousand of our mm-hmm. favorite uh, horticultural friends. <laughs> I mean, it's it's at the Hilton in downtown Chicago. This, so we all
5: had to get cleaned up for it. Uh,
1: yeah, more or less, we all had to get cleaned up. You, you know, uh, we could have checked for dirt under the fingernails because uh, environmental types almost mm-hmm. always have dirt under their fingernails. But um, that was a fabulous a uh, fabulous event, a uh, great lunch and wonderful talk. I don't have her name right in front of me. You've got the program right there. I, you know, I was looking for my, pro- oh, I thought about looking for my program. But of course, Dr. Ingrid Indy Burke uh, from the Yale School of Forestry and Environmental Studies. Uh, she's an ecosystem ecologist and biochemist. And so you know you're doing a good job when you can get a 1,000 people people who already know this stuff to go oh when you do a talk Mm because she was showing charts and graphs i think the most amazing thing she said and correct me if i'm wrong and i don't know if it struck you the same way she said in the next 30 years we're going to build uh as much infrastructure in the united states as we have in our entire history
5: yeah it was it was an alarming number yeah it scary was. of how can that happen?
1: And it was new cities too. Right, that's what she's talking about new city. We will build as much city in the next thirty years as we have since the beginning of our yeah, yeah, history wow. in this country. Wow,
5: we'll get to more of that in the second hour.
1: So, uh, lots going on today. Uh, we're going to start off with well, it's you know was a little chilly out yeah. there this morning, so I'm thinking about bulbs, getting bulbs in the ground. We're going to bring in our friend Dan Costa from Vern Goers Greenhouse in Hinsdale. Uh, He's a bulb expert, so get your questions and comments ready. You're always welcome to call 877-711-5611. Then we bring in uh, B.J. Miller from Happy Leaf LED, wonderful sponsor of the Mike Novak Show. She's going to tell you how to use it and about her appearance coming up at McHenry County College Green Living Fest. All on the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We'll be right back.
5: This is Peggy Malecki. The end of summer doesn't mean the end of growing season. That's when I bring tropicals, scented geraniums, and herbs onto my porch, plug in my Happy Leaf LED grow lights, and watch them thrive all winter long. 50,000 plus hour minimum lifespan, five year warranty, USA made. Go to happyleafled.com and save 10% on purchases above $100 when you use the code MIC. Happy Leaf LED grow lights, summer light in the middle of winter. Fall is a perfect time to reflect on the beauty of trees and your memory about a favorite tree could win you tickets to illumination, tree lights at the Morton Arboretum this coming holiday season. Or you could get a spot in an Open Lands Treekeeper course. Just tell a story about a tree that has special meaning to you. To enter, submit your tree story online through the end of October to Tremendous Trees, a project of the Morton Arboretum and Open Lands. Go to
7: tree-stories.org. Are you looking for a new ride? Ready to leave gas stations in the dust and speed down the highway 0 to 60 in under 3 seconds? Well, here's your chance. The Illinois Solar Energy Association is raffling off a 2018 Tesla Model X, the award-winning all-electric SUV, and only 2,500 tickets will be sold. Come on. We all know fossil fuels are going the way of the dinosaurs, but you don't have to. Switch your ride to an electric car by entering the 2018 Illinois Solar Energy Association raffle. All it takes is one ticket for $100 or increase your chances by getting four tickets for $300 at illinoisolar.org. So bury your fossil fuel car, go green with Tesla, and be part of a cleaner tomorrow. All raffle proceeds will fully benefit the Illinois Solar Energy Association a nonprofit working to advance solar energy development throughout the state of Illinois. Winner will be drawn at the ISEA member meeting on December 6, 2018, and does not need to be present. Anyone in the continental U.S. is eligible, so get your tickets, the rules, and other small print details at illinoisolar.org today. (laughs) ¶¶¶¶
1: What are you laughing about?
5: Oh, I was just watching the video of you dancing.
1: Oh, it must have been on <laughs> Facebook, tape delay. Yes. Yeah, it just a uh, slight delay. <laughs> it's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. And as we always say, you're welcome to catch the show live or on podcast. You can go to MikeNovak.net, catch our, our podcast that I post there eventually like some, I'm not as good as some people are. I I do it when I get to it, and uh, uh, we've got uh, great podcasts up there, though. But if you want to watch us live, you can do that on Facebook. We stream live on Facebook. Uh, every Sunday morning from nine to eleven a.m. Central Time, if you're in other parts of the country and you want to catch the show live, that's a great place to do it because they got video and they sometimes they cut off our head and sometimes sometimes they don't.
5: Mike dances.
1: But uh, you know, Randall's been really, really good about it. That, by the way, you know, Randall, that the guy who voices Honey Badger is named Randall.
2: Yeah, that's why I laughed even harder because I knew you were going to bring that up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, you know. Okay, well, you know the, what the honey badger says about that.
2: Honey badger don't care. Honey badger don't give a All
1: right. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we got Randall on the control board and Randall uh, voicing a uh, honey badger. Uh, and uh, let's just go right to the phone and bring in our buddy Dan Costa from Vern Goer's greenhouse in Hinsdale, Illinois. He's known as the bonsai guy, but guess what? He does other things as well, and he sent me a picture yesterday of my bonsai, mm-hmm. which he has now had for more than two years. <laughs> uh, uh, where's it sitting right now, Dan?
8: Uh, it's outside with the other trees.
1: And uh, it looks like you've done a little work on it.
8: Uh, yeah, I have. Can't let one sit around without doing something to it.
1: Okay. All right. Well, I'm a, <laughs> I'm getting my hands on that puppy real soon. <laughs> I and, hope
8: so. Any year Better you enjoy it than me always enjoying
1: it. Any year now, I'm going to grab that. But you know what? <laughs> he even potted it for me. It's in this beautiful container. I hate to take it away from you, but it is mine <laughs> after all.
8: <laughs> oh, you can have it, container and all.
1: Uh, you should understand <laughs> that uh, I went to their uh, the Prairie Bone Size Society annual show at the Morton Arboretum a couple of years ago. Entered the raffle because I'm a good guy. Mm-hmm. And I won. I won a bonsai. And uh, Dan said, well, I'll, I'll hold on to it for you here, and let's get it acclimated and get it all set up. And so he took it, and then somehow I've never retrieved it. Uh, and <laughs> and now it finds itself in a pot. It looks lovely. So happy. i got to get that uh, photo. I'm going to post that photo on, on the uh, the Mike Novak show on Facebook so folks can see it. Probably I'll tweet it out as well. Um, it's
8: it's because- developing pretty nicely.
1: Uh, and uh, you actually have a Twitter handle, don't you, Mr. Dan?
8: Yeah, I do. Uh,
1: mm-hmm. which is
8: that, that would be Little Tree fifty one.
1: Little Tree fifty one. Is that spelled L I L?
5: No, little as in little the Tree. normal spelling. Oh L- the normal Tree fifty one. <laughs> was- so everyone can now tweet to Dan.
1: That's right. Well, because I know I know you're not on Facebook, so I thought, okay, let's let's bust him on Twitter. Let's get him some followers. Uh, on Twitter, Littletree51, and and the reason is um, that you have that uh, because uh, I know that your your email handle is Snipologist, so... Uh, yes, it is. And uh, some people Which might... it comes
8: from all the bonsai trimming I do.
1: Of course it does. I know it does. <laughs> so uh, that's our guy, Dan Costa. So I, I call Dan and I say, we're talking bulbs, and he says, oh, well, yeah, I, I, I do a little bit with bulbs. Do uh, you <laughs> care to explain that, Dan?
8: Uh, well, for back in the nineteen eighties, I was working in a wholesale greenhouse, and uh, for eight years, I was the guy that took care of the bulb forcing.
1: <laughs> oh my goodness! So we
8: ran thousands of tulips and hyacinths and and daffodils through to sell to the various floral shops around the uh, the Chicago area. So I started out doing that, and now with them at uh, Vern Gore's, I've been. Working with the bulbs when they come in every spring, every every fall, and and uh, you know, putting everything together, talking to the customers, explaining what they need to do with them, uh, just general.
1: Well, I know uh,
8: information, I know. and then whatever is left at the end of the season, I pot up into pots, and we cool them down for a while, and then sell them in the spring as potted plants.
1: Well, you say people ask what to do. I know what to do. You dig a hole, and you throw the bulbs, and you cover it up, and then you come back in the spring, basically.
8: <laughs> Pretty much.
1: Isn't that? I mean— Except it... you've got to know how deep
8: to dig the hole. and.
1: Well, yeah, and there's a few other minor things, but let's be realistic here. Uh, I think people who don't garden see bulbs come up in the spring, and they think it's magic. And I, really? alw- I always tell gardeners, don't give away the secret. The secret is you bought some bulbs in the fall. You dug a hole, you threw them in there, and they came up, and you look like a genius. So,
4: <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: don't <laughs> bust us, it's, okay?
8: Especially at Hinsdale, where I work, there's a uh, a lot of the houses have Siberian squill mm-hmm. uh, growing in the lawns and the areas, and it blooms. It's a short flower in the springtime nice blue flower and every spring we get lots of people that will come in saying do you have that blue flower ground cover that i see all over the place Mm -hmm. and we tell them well no it's not a ground cover it's actually a bulb that you plant in the fall and they're just amazed
1: they they must be And, and and you know what uh on the north side of the city you know this peggy up your way it's all over the place mm-hmm. as well let's let's start there with the uh, you know siberian squill because yeah it's a wonderful plant in the and the, it's
5: everywhere and
1: it is everywhere it spreads mm-hmm. it's it's a it nat- as you know i'm using air quotes here naturalizes um <laughs> yeah. be- becomes kind of a thug uh, but it is gorgeous <laughs> uh it is absolutely gorgeous if you can see an entire field filled with it and that happens yeah. eventually one of the things i discovered mm-hmm. planting it in my own backyard Here's the way it works. It starts to pop up here and there uh in the yard. Um and then suddenly you've got a patch and then you got another patch and then it's uh it 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 takes off. Can you explain how that happens with that plant, Dan?
8: Yeah, it's a thing called seed. <laughs> <laughs> what? It seeds What's itself that? around? What's that? Uh, seed. Very well.
1: Oh, come on, man. I thought oh, so it's not squirrels digging them up and moving them around.
8: No. No, it's a it's a prolific cedar. And so, um, you know, when they bloom in the springtime and the seeds get knocked around and eventually make it across larger areas, mm-hmm. I've got some way up in the front of my yard up by the public sidewalk that is uh, probably 60, 70 feet from where I originally started the plants. And and it does spread.
1: Yeah, they do. They they do spread, uh, and they're not native. And, and what we, sh- we should probably start out— by, uh, talking about the idea that most of these bulbs that you get, uh, are not natives. There's, right. uh, they're, they're, they've come from elsewhere in the world, often Eurasia, um, drier climbs, the Mediterranean, places like that. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and, um, if you're looking for, I know that there are some native bulbs on out there, mm-hmm. but, uh, and maybe, uh, Peg, if, uh, you got a second maybe you can track something down there or maybe one of our listeners can send, can send us uh, something on that cuz I, I we've talked about it on the show before
5: yeah uh, if anybody wants to call us with some uh native bulbs 877 711 5611 let us know
1: because we're we're going the traditional route here which is your tulips your daffodils your squill your crocuses your allium uh, allium is native, but the, the the alliums we plant are not. Uh, they right. they've been manipulated uh, to the nth degree, haven't they, Dan?
8: Well, they're they're hybrids to produce the larger flower heads, uh, because you know, it, it, with the alliums, the bigger the flower head is, the better the plant is.
1: Mm-hmm.
8: And there's some gigantic ones out there.
1: <laughs> there <laughs> are, but they they're wonderful. They're spectacular. Uh, one of the great things about allium. Daffodils, um, muscari, which is grape hyacinth, is the critters leave them alone, don't they?
8: Yeah, uh, well, hyacinths, daffodils, and alliums all have uh, certain levels of toxins in the in the uh, bulb, and so the uh, when the squirrels or whatever start digging around, if they notice that, then they will leave them alone. That's why it's nice a lot of times to plant some. When you plant tulips, plant some daffodils in with them. And it kind of acts as a little bit of a deterrent to the uh, animals that are attempting to uh, decimate your tulip population.
1: And, and they will. It, well, it, know, tulips are like chocolate to deer. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, you're, if you got. They're, go ahead.
8: They're very tasty. They've uh, got sugars in the foliage and that. And so they just kind of like a candy bar.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, I like your idea of mixing up the, strat- the strategy. Uh, I suspect that uh, if a critter wants a tulip, it'll find it in there. Um, but the idea may be just to go with those plants uh, that uh, they don't like. I mean, you know, and that's the way when, you, when you're doing uh, plants uh, uh, of any type um, mm-hmm. in, an, in an area that has that kind of pressure. There are. You can go to. You can go online. And you can find lists of plants that are. I'm using again air quotes deer resistant because, mm-hmm. as you and I know, if a deer is hungry enough, it'll eat anything. Oh yeah. Uh, however, if it's a good year and and they're well fed, they might stay away from some of the plants that uh, that they don't particularly like. Uh, so yeah, that's well,
8: that, that's why the word is resistant and not proof. Exactly. Uh, nothing is deer proof but they can be deer resistant mm-hmm. which means it's one of the last things they want to munch. Uh,
1: yeah
5: if it's a, a bad winter they might if it's a, a...
1: right yeah. And, yeah. Uh, or, okay. or, or, or if the deer population is especially heavy uh, that sort of thing And sometimes ultimately the only way you deal, deal with deer is fencing. Um, I mean the, there's a lot of great products out there. Um, that uh, will keep them at bay. You need to mix up your strategies. Uh, often, the products involve using putrescent eggs and cloves and uh, garlic, uh, and those though, you'll find those ingredients a lot in the uh, repellents that are out there. And if you've mm-hmm. ever got if you yeah. if, if you've ever gotten one of those repellents on you, you know what I'm talking about.
8: <laughs>
1: and I'm sure you have, Dan.
8: Oh yeah, more than once.
1: Yeah, so let's get back to uh, bulbs. And actually, I found something on natives. We'll get Mm -hmm. to in a second. Um, But uh, what's in all those years that you were working uh, bulbs earlier, when 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 you were the horticulturist uh, growing bulbs? I'm going to ask you what is the main thing you learned not to do when it comes to bulbs.
8: Uh, well, it depends. If you're forcing them, you want to make sure that the bulbs do not freeze.
1: Yes. So that's a really good you point.
8: Say, well, I'm just going to put them in a pretty pot and I'm going to stick it outside for the winter and they're going to come up and bloom. Most likely that's not going to happen because the soil is going to freeze, then the bulb will freeze. And instead of producing a nice flower, it just turns to mush.
1: Yeah, so but, those it, but
8: you have to be protected yeah. uh, to an extent. And, you really want to hold the temperature between about 30 and 40 degrees uh, for for forcing bulbs. If you get warmer than that, they will come up too early and maybe not produce a good flower, or if you go uh, too much colder, then they freeze out. And also, you want to keep them cold long enough that they fully root, and so those roots are coming out of the bottom of the pot. Sometimes I'll see hyacinths that have been forced, and they barely make it out the top of the bulb, and that's because they got bad roots. They don't didn't develop the roots thoroughly enough. Uh, also, when you buy bulb in the store, like some people buy hyacinth bulb, and then they stick it in a little bit glass vase that's made for it, and they expect that's going to just come up and, and bloom, and it's not because it hasn't had the chilling that it needs. So something like that would be fine if you put it, in your refrigerator and kept it there for a couple of months and then put it in the little vase, Mm -hmm. you got a much better chance of success. And outdoors, uh, in the ground, probably the the biggest mistakes that people make is they space them too far apart. (laughs) Because things like (laughs) tulip flowers are not that huge, so if you've got one every eight inches, there's going to be big gaps in between the flowers. It's not going to give you a very good show.
1: Yeah, it's going to look like – and then they put them in a row. They put them, mm-hmm. like, all all in a row. Yeah. Uh,
8: you want to take the bulbs out of the bag, toss them in the air so they land randomly, and then plant them pretty much where they landed.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, and, and the other thing I learned um, a while back was when – I wasn't kidding, actually, when I said you, you dig a hole and you put the bulbs in because what that does – it forces you to put them relatively near each other, and when you mass them, they look great. So let's say you've got 25 bulbs, which is kind of a standard number you're going to find in a bag someplace. Uh, I, would, I would go 12 and 13 is what I would do. Two patches uh, of 12 and 13, and you're going to get two lovely masses of bulbs. Whereas if, as you mentioned, Dan, you spread them out, there's no impact. It doesn't yeah, it, you
4: lose
5: it, it looks like they're everything. dying out when you have one or two.
1: Yeah well yeah and as Dan said, there's just too much space yeah. there's there's no design right. to it so you, yeah. you you really want to have that impact
5: yeah you need the color and the mass
1: uh, so that's that's one of the tips I learned uh, the hard way because I used to go in dig them in one at a <laughs> mm-hmm. time, separate <laughs> when, well it
5: is easier for the chipmunks to just get each one that way.
1: Uh,
8: if, <laughs> yeah, if they're in a row, they just go right down the row.
5: Uh,
1: okay, so uh, we're going to break here in a second, Dan, uh, and I'll let you know when we need to do that. So we started with massing them, um, and uh, you mentioned the depth, and it's that's also important because I think a lot of folks don't realize just how deep six inches is.
8: Yeah, it depends on the size of the bulb. Yeah. Generally, we go two to three times the dimension of the bulb. So if your bulb is two inches in diameter, it goes down about six inches deep.
1: Right. And, uh,
8: and a small and, bulb like a crocus, that only goes down about an inch.
1: Exactly. And uh, you take a ruler if you don't know how deep it is. All right, we're going to continue talking bulbs with Dan Costa. We'll be right back. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Those amazing green folks at McHenry County College are at it again. The 11th annual Green Living Expo returns on Saturday, November 3rd, and it's better than ever. New this year is the Clean Transportation Exhibit featuring electric cars and bikes. The college solar and super mileage team race cars are back, and this year they're bringing a hybrid engine truck. There's a 2,500-gallon fish tank where you can see many species of Fox River fish. Visit with area farms, CSAs, and other organizations to learn more about local agriculture. There are 100 green exhibits, local food purveyors, sustainable artists, and vendors of all kinds, even on-site battery recycling. The Green Living Expo is free and open to the public. Peggy and I will be there. Come and join us. McHenry County College, Saturday, November 3rd, from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m., Go to mchenry.edu slash greenexpo.
3: Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals?
2: You're listening to Weekends on WCGO. Check out our Facebook live stream brought to you in part by our exclusive signage partner, Fast Signs of Lincolnwood. Located at 3450 West Devon Avenue. Visit them on the web at fastsigns.com 80.
1: Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. It is the fall. Uh, I walked out this morning, and now we didn't have a freeze. I didn't have a freeze. A lot of people have had freezes already and frost and so forth. Mm -hmm. I'm not even sure we had a frost. I didn't see frost uh, when I was leaving, but uh, I could see some plants collapsing. And uh, so we're at at that point. And we have Dan Costa on the phone who is... uh, a horticulturist at Vern Goer's Greenhouse in Hinsdale, Illinois, and uh, what's the website there, Dan?
8: VernGrowersGreenhouse
1: dot Don't lean into your phone. Don't, <laughs> don't don't beep the phone at us. All right, Vern okay. <laughs> VernGrowersGreenhouse dot uh, Pretty yeah. simple, um, and that takes us to the first question coming back here. We're we're in uh, mid to late October as uh, we do this show. Uh, there's still time to get your bulbs in the ground. Oh,
8: yeah. now is a good time to plant because the ground is getting cooler, and, and so they can root in, and it won't, uh, it'll be cold enough that they won't want to sprout and try to come up right away.
1: Yeah. There's a, it's a, I found a very interesting article uh, when I was researching this um, at a website called Garden Myths. And this guy, I've seen other stuff he's written, and I, and I like what he does. Uh, and he wrote an article about spring bulbs, when is the best time to plant. He makes the argument that the earlier you get them in the ground, the, the better the root system. Uh, and his argument is that the plant's not going to bloom on you. You don't have to worry that it's going to uh, get so far advanced that it's going to uh, bloom, and then you lose the bloom for the spring. And his argument is that, the bigger the root system, the better the plant. Uh, have you what What's your experience with that, Dan?
8: Well, sometimes if you do plant too early, they do start to come up. Uh, I've seen it happen on occasion. Yeah, but but
1: there's a difference somebody between. Somebody
8: will call up and they'll say that their tulip or something is starting to break the ground. You know, because bulbs go on sale usually around the first of September, <laughs> and sometimes people will buy it and they say, "Well, I better just plant it right right away while I got a time and it's warm mm-hmm. out." And they stick them in the ground, and the thing starts to root, and then it starts to actually grow.
1: Right, uh, right. But the point I was so going to make— I don't
8: believe in planting them too early.
1: Yeah. Well, okay. Uh, his point is that it's not going to bloom. It might pop above the ground. And as we all know, we see we see these bulbs pop above the ground in February. And then they sit there sometimes for two months before they actually finish the process and bloom. And I, and I get the feeling that that's what he's saying, is that better that you, you encourage the roots. I'm just, say, I'm just telling you what this guy says. And if folks want to read the article, go to my website, Uh and it's called Spring Bulbs, When is the Best Time to Plant? I also have some bulb information from Illinois Extension, from Better Homes and Gardens, from Michigan State University. You can uh, take a look at uh, uh, all of those articles if you want to, to, if you're new to this, if you're a novice, to figure it out. Uh, and if you're not a novice, to refresh yourself on these. So at any rate, that's the point, though, uh, as mm-hmm. we started, is that right now there's still plenty of time to get mm-hmm. stuff in the ground.
8: Yeah, there is one bulb that does come up always in the, in the fall, and that's the muscari or gray pison. Yeah. And it will produce foliage in the fall, but that's normal for that plant.
1: And that's actually and, a... a... Uh, one
8: thing nice about muscari doing that is it's a good marker plant. Yeah, if you put some muscari in where you have a bunch of bulbs, then you when you buy more bulbs, you'll know that you already got stuff planted in that area because you'll see the foliage coming up.
1: Yeah, that's why I like it. Uh, when when I see the muscari, I go two things. Well, it's fall because <laughs> here comes the muscari foliage, and also, oh yeah, that's where that muscari is. And if you plant <laughs> and if you plant other bulbs around it, then you get a sense of where they are too. So yeah. that's yeah. a good thing. Uh, so we've talked depth, we've talked time, uh, time of the year. We've talked uh, well in picking a bulb. Obviously, you want something that's large and firm, right?
8: Yeah, yeah. You want a good solid bulb. They shouldn't be soft or mushy or
4: break apart.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, and uh, you know a lot. As a lot of us know, if say for instance you're you're getting uh, daffodils. Um, when you buy a daffodil bulb, especially if you're picking them out one at a time, if there's a a a, a bulbil or a bulblet, however, whatever phrase mm-hmm. you use, that's attached to it, that's probably going to bloom too. So you've got a sep, yeah. you've got a separate one, but they'll only charge you for one if they're mm-hmm. attached. Which right, is, so it's like a bonus. So you can look for those well, as well, right?
8: Yeah, that that's called double nose bulbs. And it's uh, basically, like you said, it's two bulbs attached together. And once they get to that stage, the bulb is quite mature, and it's really going to perform very mm-hmm. well. And these uh, single bulbs are often a little bit younger, and so they, they will they will probably produce a flower, but they won't be as profuse for a couple of years.
5: So if you have a bulb that's got the bulblets, should you separate those and plant the bulblets separately or just put them all in the same hole?
8: I, I tend to leave them together because... Uh, one will feed off of the other. The mm-hmm. the younger bulb will feed off of the older bulb, and so it will mature better. That doesn't have to struggle on its own. So I, I always leave them together.
5: Okay. What if you have some older bulbs? How can you tell if they're still viable?
1: What well What do you mean in the ground? So, no, no. If you so have I, older, ones older ones bulbs you that
5: you ones, ones you didn't plant or ones even from <laughs> from a um, a nursery or or. Um, S- something somebody well, buys they that they're kind of questionable stored
8: warm like over 50 degrees over the course of the winter time like in a bag or something mm-hmm. most likely is going to dry out uh, they can only hold out for so long because really they're adapted to living in moist in in the soil and so when they're in a bag they're not protected by the soil anymore so they start losing moisture mm-hmm. and then they can either dry up or they can actually start to rot Uh, So usually the bulbs that are kept, that don't get planted in the fall are not very good uh, candidates to plant in the spring.
1: Yeah, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago about bulbs that get left over in the garage or wherever or the basement. Uh, And folks will say, well, what should I do? Wait till the, you know, I missed this season. Should I wait till next season? And our answer was no, get them in some soil right away. Mm Because even if they don't bloom this year, they'll get some nourishment. Uh, And perhaps next year you'll get a result.
8: Yeah, well, like if it's January and you discover a bag of bulbs that you didn't plant, one thing you can do is just put them in a pot with some potting soil. And uh, if you have like a second refrigerator or something, you can just stick it in there. Mm -hmm. And you're basically doing forcing. Right. Uh, If the bulb is strong enough, it it will even bloom for you. If not, it will at least produce foliage. And then you can give it good light and watering and... Talk nice to it. And <laughs> hopefully it will be fine to plant uh, once the weather warms up outside.
1: Uh, what about uh, fertilization? Now, one of the things about bulbs that's really cool is that when you buy a bulb, it's a plant ready to go. It's in its own, con- oh, yeah. it's in its own container. It has all the energy it needs. It just needs some roots, and then you, it's, it's going to do its thing. Uh, but after that, it needs to to recharge mm-hmm. its batteries. So what is it? Right. You, what do you? What kind of fertilizers do you like for that?
8: Well, there is a, a formulation that is called bulb food, which is a dry uh, ingredient. And you just uh, put it in the bottom where well, you dig your hole for the bulb, put a little bit in the bottom of the hole, kind of scatter it around in there, and then plant your bulbs right on top of it. And that works out real nice. You can also use bone meal. Uh, bone meal takes about six months to break down in the soil. So if you put it in in the fall, by the time the plants come up, uh, start growing in the spring, it'll be broken down, and it'll be available uh, to the plant roots. Mm -hmm. Just that the bulb food is available a little easier. Uh, But either one is fine. Once they're up and growing uh, and past uh, the flowering stage, if you give them a high phosphorus fertilizer, uh, that will help to strengthen and produce the uh, bulbs, uh, the flowers for the following year.
1: Well, if you so do. You
8: don't want to cut your bulbs down right as soon as they get done blooming. Right. You're, you're really going to destroy them.
1: Yeah, you need to leave the foliage up because they're they're getting energy, photosynthesis and storing it in, in the bulb for next year. But uh, uh, getting back to the fertilizer, you, you mentioned there are two things. Several years ago, I, I read some stuff about bone meal that said maybe bone meal isn't all it's cracked up to be. Uh, in fact, mm-hmm. the, the article said that the bone meal we have out there now is not as potent as it was 50 years ago. Have you heard anything about that?
8: Well, it's different processing. Uh, you know, as bone meal became more uh, popular, then they, they things were to break it down faster to, to produce the bone meal quicker and everything. So uh, it's a little bit different product than it used to be.
1: But you still advise using it?
8: Yeah, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> it, it will definitely help. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, and and then you mentioned phosphorus. Uh, we already have an issue of too much phosphorus in, our, in a lot of soils. Uh, do you need to be careful about that?
8: Yeah, well, with any kind of fertilization, you should really have an idea of what's already in your soil. You know, uh, soil... Uh, Having your soil analyzed is, is always a good idea for, in, for any gardener, so you have, uh, know what you need to add and, and what, what you have too much of or whatever, but if you use the, uh, the liquid types of fertilizers, uh, in general in the ground, uh, the amount of phosphorus you're adding is not going to throw off any balance of chemical balance in the soil. If you're using an organic, uh, things like uh, kelp meal are are nice because they contain a lot of different nutrients, and they're you know they're slow release, they're easier on the soil. Mm-hmm. They could also do something like that.
1: Okay, uh, we we've got less than a minute here. I wanted to let folks know we did a little bit of mm-hmm. checking here. Found some native bulbs. Trout lily mm-hmm. is one. Bloodroot is another. Camas is, is another. Um, the, the, they're they're subtle. A lot of these uh, native bulbs are subtle. It kind of depends what mm-hmm. you're looking for in your garden, but you can get.
5: Yeah, Jackie uh, tweeted in Camasia quamish, which is the camas.
1: Right. Yeah. Kamacia. Yeah, I have Kwamish. that in
8: my yard. It's a beautiful one.
1: Well, oh, see, we'll tell folks to to go out there and get it. Dan Costa <laughs> from uh, his yard. Uh, yeah, steal it from Dan's yard. <laughs> Grab a shovel, and I'll be over there this afternoon, Dan. Uh, <laughs> Vern, oh, okay. From Vern Goer's greenhouse. Thanks so much, Dan. Good talking to you. Hang on to my boneside for me. I sure will. We'll be right back. From boat to doorstep.
2: This is your talk. One of the few true originals
6: of our time. On 1590 WCGO, Evanston, Chicago.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. you. Play some music here for us. Play, Play us in, as they say, in the radio world. It better get going quick because I need to move on. Okay, maybe that's all we okay. get. All right, that's
8: it, huh? Oh, yeah.
1: Put your hands in the air and then on the radio. We're just trying to wake all of you up. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Uh, We are very pleased to say that uh, we have uh, a sponsor who has returned, and that's a good thing in this case. It's always a good thing, but in this particular case, we love this sponsor because we love their product, and that's Happy Leaf LED Grow Lights. There we go. They get a double ding. Uh, And uh, to talk, and we're going to be appearing with them uh, in a couple of weeks on Saturday, November third, at McHenry County College Green Living Fest in McHenry County, uh, at the Crystal Lake. In Crystal Lake, Uh, and one of the uh, folks uh, who's going to be there is uh, Happy Leaf LED Grow Lights. So let's bring in BJ Miller. Uh, who's a horticulture consult- consultant with Happy Leaf, BJ? Good morning.
4: Good morning. How are you?
1: I'm great. Uh, and uh, good. It's a. Uh, it's a. We're, we're we're sliding into the cooler weather, and that's <laughs> and and that's when people start thinking about grow lights because they're moving stuff indoors. Mm-hmm. You know, I was thinking just the other day. I've moved a bunch of plants into my basement. Um. As kind of a transition from the outside, they've only been down there about a week, and I thought, you know right. what? You know what? I need to put a happy leaf grow light above them right now just to keep them happy. Get it?
4: Okay. Right. Uh, what, uh, an, uh, you know, I have a succulent collection bigger than my uh, basement can even hold, so I bring <laughs> them all in thanks to my patient husband, and, uh, man, I put them under these lights. I usually It usually takes me about a month to get them looking good again in the spring, I've put them under these lights, and they look phenomenal when I pull them back out in the spring. And my basement's pretty cool. So it's really all about the light.
1: It it is about the light. and My basement's not cool. My basement's kind of dank and (laughs) and ugly. But still, if if I put uh, put them under a grow light down there, what I can be assured of is that they're getting some light. It's going to... You know, it's warm enough for them, so they'll be fine mm-hmm. down there. So uh, then I don't have to worry as much, and then I can figure out when I can get them upstairs as soon as I make room for them. Um, let, let's right. let's back up just a second, BJ. Tell me about your background, and how did you get involved with Happy Leaf?
4: Oh, okay. Well, um, my, I went to school for horticulture um, at Purdue University, so my degree is in horticultural production and marketing. Um, I've always been fascinated with growing, um, and I've had various... Jobs uh, in greenhouses, both at the educational level um, and on a commercial basis. And um, at the time that I got involved with Happy Leaf, I was the production supervisor for a large hydroponic baby greens and herbs grower. Mm -hmm. And they approached me to try all their lights. And, of course, I did. And uh, the results were phenomenal. I I was skeptical, um, (laughs) but we used them for tomatoes, tomatoes. And I couldn't believe the difference in the growth. So, I mean, I've been, um, they sold me right away. The proof is in the pudding, right? But uh, our tomatoes look better than they did with any of the other lights we were uh, using. And that was on a commercial basis. So, um, Uh, yeah, uh, I had great success with them. And uh uh, um, I've been using them ever since.
1: Well, uh, yeah, we I know the folks who uh, who make the Happy Leaf LED products, and um, Peggy and I both have them, my friends have them, um, and uh, we're running some commercials on it, and, and they're basically testimonials, but they're, because they're true. Uh, and for the last couple of years, yep. as I mentioned in, in one of the spots, um, I have people say to me, when I start harvesting my tomatoes, how is it? You know, what kind of sun do you have? Do you have different sun in your yard than I have in mine? Because your tomatoes <laughs> are growing so fast and they've ripened so soon. Uh, there's two things at work there. One is happy leaf LEDs. The other is the tomato I'm growing, mm-hmm. which is the garden gem, right. from Dr. Harry Klee at the University of Florida. Are you familiar with Dr. Klee?
4: I'm not
1: okay. Yeah, you got to get. You got to go yeah. to Dr. Harry Clee at the University of Florida. Um, if I think it's uh, what's the uh, the Facebook Garden Gem? I think
5: I think so. Uh, and and Garden Treasures the other
1: one that I grew this well, year. Well, they also yeah. Uh, yeah, and they have different. Uh, in fact, in fact, they are going to be marketed uh, next year by. Um, oh, and I'm blanking. Um, proven Winners. Proven winners. Yes. Uh, Yeah, which is an interesting thing because Proven Winters is going out of the shrub area uh, and going into some vegetables, including Dr. Harry Klee's tomatoes. But as I was saying, the two things that happen are I get my tomatoes growing indoors under the Happy Leaf Grow Lights and it's been fantastic. And so by the time we put them outside, they're fully mature plants and they're ready to rock, which means I don't have to to cheat and try to get them Mm in may when i know the ground's going to be cold in chicago when uh the air is going to be cold as i tell folks in this area now it's different in different uh, in other areas i say wait till june 1st there's no point taking a chance um i don't well i don't know if you feel that way bj
4: i do you know i i think you can really reduce fruit set by pushing it too early because you're going to really slow i think you can delay flower development by trying to push it too early.
5: Yeah. So you're right. So one of the other things that I'm using a light for, and I'm hoping you can address this a little bit too, is uh, some of the tropicals that I brought in from the outside, I now have under the lights on my front porch. But kind of as a general rule, oh. of, as a rule of thumb, how long would you leave, if you're growing under lights indoors, how long would you leave them on typically for house plants and tropicals?
4: Um, you know, for houseplants, I and I have a lot of them that I bring in myself, I leave the lights on for 16 hours a day. So, um, for me, they go on at 6 in the morning and they come off at 10 o'clock at night, okay. um, which is usually pretty standard and good for most varieties. Some plants prefer longer. A lot of plants need the rest in the winter anyway, so um, I'm actually going to try and push the envelope and get that to be a little less than 16 over the winter.
1: Yeah, one of the plants that I'm thinking of uh, <laughs> is my avocado, uh, which I replanted. Okay. I replanted it this uh, summer, had it outdoors. It, it went nuts. It took off. The problem is, I bring it in for the winter and it sulks all winter and then it has to regain its strength going back out. I'm mm-hmm. thinking, you know what? Maybe I need to put a happy leaf grow light uh, over that and see what happens during oh, the winter. Absolutely. Yeah.
4: So well, what? And that's the difference it makes because mine looks so sad. When I put them on the spring, it takes yeah. me a little while to make them recover, but um, so much easier and so much better. They're high quality all winter under so, the light, so I don't...
1: So what is it about the lights that is so different from say a shop light, fluorescent light that uh, traditionally has been used?
4: Well, with the Happy Leaf LEDs, they're delivering exactly the wavelengths that the plants need to grow happily. Um, and it's got both the red and the blue light spectrums for both vegetative and flowering growth. So it's got everything you need all in one light, um, and it's extremely specific to the, the wavelengths that plants actually use. Um, so they're they're low voltage; they cost almost nothing to run. Um, I think that's that's one of the most precise...
1: That's one of the most amazing parts is how little voltage they use. They're just the the power is just uh, amazingly efficient.
4: It is. It it really is. I, I I'm really blown away by him. I mean, you got to try him to believe it. But I think lighting is one of the things that people. It's the least understood piece of growing. I think people know plants need lights, but exactly what's happening with that light is uh, something I think a lot of people misunderstand. So, um, a lot of that gets solved with a happy leaf light.
1: All right. Well, we're going to see you on the third of November at uh, the McHenry County College Green Living Fest. Absolutely. And if folks want more information about Happy Leaf, they can go to happyleafled.com. Just go to my website, mikenovac.net. The logo is there. Click on it. It'll take you right to their website. Uh, B.J. Miller, thank you so much. Uh, We'll see you on the 3rd, I hope.
4: Oh, The pleasure's all mine, yes. Thank you so much.
1: We'll be back. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki.
3: Welcome to the second hour of the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Green, gardening, and environment radio with just a soup song of humor. Or is that a dash? Call us with your questions and comments at 877-711-5611. Here they are again, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak.
1: All I need is good food to eat. And make me healthy, wealthy, wide awake. Lettuce, tomatoes, root, and bacon. What about those sweet potatoes? All I need is good foodie. All I need is good
8: foodie.
5: All
1: I need is good tools. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. In this hour, we're going to...
5: We'll have a soupçon,
1: A soupçon of not so much humor, <laughs> although we'll, we'll throw some in <laughs> wherever we can. Uh, we're going to del- dive, I guess, a little bit into uh, uh, the politics of, the, of environmentalism. In the 2018 elections and try to steer you in uh, some great directions uh, where you can get information, because I know folks, uh, they they write to me, they they talk to me, they ask, uh, hey, where can I get advice on on who I should be voting for when it comes to certain issues? And of course, we're an environmental show. We're a, uh, a green living show. And so that's what we look at. That's our lens. That's our prism here on the show. Uh, and we'll have that uh, as we move on. But before we get to that, we're doing a little uh, uh, cleanup work here um, because we've done so much stuff in the past um, week, two weeks. It, it How long has it been, Peggy? It just goes <laughs> on and on. Oh, and before we even do that, one more thing I want to mention about uh, our conversation with Dan Costa that we did not get into uh, and I want to tell people about. And, and we, when we were talking tulips, uh, one of the best uh, bulb you can one of the best bulbs you can find for your garden are species tulips mm-hmm. I love species tulips and you say what's a species tulip well tulips have been manipulated over the centuries to have these big blooms and these fancy leaves and so forth but species tulips are these single blooms that come out of the ground uh, you know a few inches above the ground and they're rock solid and they are are gorgeous they're much smaller you're not going to get the, the the vase shape Thing that you get from the, uh, the tulips that have been bred over the centuries.
5: The Darwins uh, and the Appledorns. Right,
1: and all those, and the ones that get the uh, viruses and so mm-hmm. forth. But the species tulips are tough. They're tough little guys. And you put them in your garden, they're going to last forever, for a long time. Uh, they just come back over and over and over again. Uh, so, uh, and, and what brought this to mind was uh, on the uh, blog this week at MikeNovak.net, I put a photo of a species tulip that came up in my yard and and uh Kathleen's sister Tracy just saw it and said, Hey, that's nice. I said, Well, that's a species tulip. That's what they look like. And it's got white and yellow on it. And it's just it's lovely. And it's coming up in in a bunch of crazy stuff there. There's all kinds of stuff that it just sort of popped through. Uh the foliage is really nice. So that's what a species tulip looks like. And if that's what you want in your yard and they come mm-hmm. in all kinds of colors. I've,
5: oh. I've got a lily flowering tulip. That's a gorgeous red, and the leaves are kind of thin and curly. Yeah, another species.
1: So there you go. All right. Uh, getting back to some of the other stuff, uh, we've been continuing to hear from people uh, following the Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards ceremony that we had uh, a week ago Saturday at the Garfield Park Conservatory, and once again, we just want to thank everybody who was there and all the people. Uh, who were involved in this, um, starting with the uh, University of illinois extension cook county and and willine Buffett, uh, who made it possible uh, for us she's the uh, director uh, willine Buffett uh, provided the funding for the award ceremony at Garfield Park Conservatory, and a lot of the staff there at Illinois extension stepped up um, and they provided the swag bags uh, the bags themselves, some of the stuff in. The bags and uh, a photographer and everything else. So uh, good on uh, you uh, people at uh, Illinois Extension, Cook County. Um, Shedd Aquarium was fabulous. Uh, Christine Nye and her folks. And by the way, uh, uh, I should also mention Ron Wolford from uh, Illinois Extension and Val Kehoe and Latasha Reggins and, and
5: Veronica Aranda.
1: Uh, right, all those folks over there uh, oh, uh, re- Nash. Uh, all helped us out. And then, of course, at the Shedd Aquarium, Christine Nye. And Julie Taylor, um, they their their job each year is to get the signs and then bolt them together. So that's cool. And uh,
5: they they also contributed contributed to the swag bag.
1: Yeah, they had honey from the shed aquarium. How cool is that? Um, and uh, so that was neat. And the Chicago Flower and Garden Show. Tony Abruscato. Helped us out uh, providing meeting space and uh, publicity in a number of ways. Uh, Chicago Community Gardeners Association, Advocates for Urban Agriculture. Chicago Park District helped with publicity. Um, Natural Awakening Chicago, of course. Peggy's Magazine. Give yourself a ding. I'll give you a ding. Um, and did that. Chicagoland Gardening. Uh, Greenmark. All helping with publicity. Our fantastic judges, and we had a bunch of them. Uh, involved uh, i 'm not going to go through their names, mm-hmm. but uh they took their time to help out and th- and
5: and the signs from the Forest per- i can 't talk this morning no, forest you can't. Preserve
1: district the, the force preserve <laughs> district of Cook County once again came up with the signs and of course, I would be remiss if i didn't mention Kathleen Thompson who designed our logo uh did a lot of the uh web work and the database uh which <laughs> which will uh you know, there's, well, we'll figure, we're, we're <laughs> going to make it work even better next year. Let's put it that way. You, those of you who do databases know what you're dealing with. It's it's hard work keeping up. So to and, all, all the And fo- if
5: we missed anyone, we apologize. Well, if thank you, we missed anyone,
1: tell go, us. go <laughs> to ChicagoGardeningAwards.org slash sponsors. You can also go to uh slash 2018 Awards and see the awards. All of the winners are listed there with some photos. Uh, you should check it out.
5: Yeah, thank you to everyone who entered.
1: You bet. All right, it's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We'll talk elections when we come back. This is Mike Novak. One of the best salads I ever had was courtesy of a friend who grew it in her living room using Happy Leaf LED grow lights. 50,000 plus hour minimum lifespan, five-year warranty, USA made. What's not to like? Whether you're a beginner or a gardening whiz, these lights are the face of 21st century growing technology. Go to happyleafled.com and save 10% on purchases above $100 when you use the code Mike. Happy Leaf LED grow lights, moving the garden to your living room.
5: The 11th annual Green Living Expo returns to McHenry County College on Saturday, November 3rd, and we hope you'll join us there. New this year is the Clean Transportation Exhibit, featuring electric cars and bikes. The college solar and super mileage team race cars are back, and this year they're bringing a hybrid engine truck. The expo also features a 2,500-gallon fish tank where you can see many species of Fox River fish. Visit with area farms, CSAs, and other organizations to learn about local agriculture. And, of course, there's 100 green exhibits, local food purveyors, sustainable artists, and vendors of all kinds. There'll even be on-site battery recycling. Did I mention that the Green Living Expo is free and open to the public? Mike and I will be there, and you should join us. McHenry County College, Saturday, November 3rd from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Go to mchenry.edu slash greenexpo or contact the MCC Office of Sustainability at 815-479-7765.
2: You're listening to Weekends on WCGO. Check out our Facebook live stream brought to you in part by our exclusive signage partner, Fast Signs of Lincolnwood. Located at 3450 West Devon Avenue. Visit them on the web at fastsigns.com
1: 80. Well, no, not really, uh, because this is about summer in Chicago, and I believe summer is now officially over because we're talking bulbs today and elections mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. Uh, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Uh, I, I I'm going to start with a um, a site that I found recently. I'm going to when I say recently, within the last year, um, and. No, that's not um I'm looking at um a site that National Geographic put together which is it's pretty amazing when you think about it and and I appreciate the journalism uh they're doing and the site is called a running list of how President Trump is changing environmental policy. Um And the uh, subtitle is the Trump administration has promised vast changes to U.S. science and environmental policy. And we're tracking them here as they happen. And that's what they've done. National Geographic just goes on and on. And it goes all the way back to 2016. And every few days or every day, depending on how often a story comes out, they write about it. So. It's
5: like a blog. It's just a running list.
1: It's a blog. You're right. A running list of things that uh, has happened under this administration. And on my website, I call it the good, the bad, and the ugly. And the weird. And the weird. There's some really weird stuff in here, too. Now, if you look at it, and you can find that link at MikeNovak.net. Go to M-I-K-E-N-O-W-A-K.
5: Some really surprising things up here, too.
1: Yeah, that's why I said good, bad, ugly, and weird. You know, for instance, and I'm just going to start with the latest post. Uh, Some of you might have known about this. Some of you might not have known about this. U.S. pushes to end children's climate change suit a week before the start of a trial in a case brought by 21 children who sued the U.S. government for its role in causing climate change. The government is moving aggressively to end the case. After failing to convince the Supreme Court to end the case in July, the Justice Department returned to the court this week to ask for a second time that the suit be blocked. Solicitor General Noel Francisco, in a new 38-page filing, asked the justices again to intervene and end this profoundly misguided suit. On Friday, Chief Justice John Roberts temporarily halted the case and has given the lawyers for the children until Wednesday to respond. So, uh, and, and by the way, the youths contend that the U.S. government has pursued energy policy that caused climate change despite knowing for more than 50 years that carbon emissions would destabilize the climate. They argue the failure to protect future generations from the effects of climate change violate their generation's constitutional right to a climate system capable of sustaining human life. So that's that's the latest. That was posted October 19th. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's 2 days ago. Uh, and just some of the uh, and, and 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 I said there's some good surprisingly. The one posted October 12th, President Trump signs bill to clean up ocean plastics. Uh, uh, They write President Trump called out other nations, including China and Japan, for making our oceans into their landfills when he signed legislation last week to improve efforts to clean up plastic trash from the world's oceans. Um, He's pleased to put his signature on this important legislation. The law passed with bipartisan support, amends the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration's Marine Debris Act, and funds the program through 2022. Uh, now, the point about this is there's a lot of truth in this. As we've discussed on the show before, mm-hmm. if you look at Adam Minter, who who, um, uh, who writes the blog Shanghai Scrap, he says that – what did he say? 60 70% of the plastic going into the oceans comes from Asia,
5: mm-hmm.
1: that the United States basically – you know, we, we use a lot of plastic, folks. Let's, you know, don't don't uh, think we don't use it. But we're much better at figuring out what to do with it, except that we used to send it to China. Now China won't accept it. But still, it doesn't tend to end up in our oceans the way it does in other countries, specifically in Asia. Mm-hmm. In fact, some of those countries don't even have a proper trash pickup.
5: Yeah, the in- infrastructure is totally different.
1: Yeah. So we're, in terms of plastic in the oceans, really, we're not the problem.
5: That says, comparatively, the beaches of the United States are among the world's cleanest. Except for Camillo Beach in Hawaii, which is getting really? the plastic gyre out of oh,
1: the Oh, because that's coming out of yeah. the Pacific Ocean. Yeah. So uh, it's a problem worldwide. We're not necessarily the worst, but uh, we can still help.
5: Yeah. So we get that good note, then we get EPA to disband air pollution review panel.
1: Right, which was the day before. <laughs> so it just go. It's everything, and the one before. Uh, here's another good one: ban on mining near Yellowstone extended, and that was actually U.S. Interior Secretary Ryan Zinke. Um, and then a report. This is the weird. Okay, now the weird.
5: This one, yeah, this one was
1: just uh, what? September twenty eighth. Trump administration predicts seven degrees of global warming by 2100. A Washington Post story highlights a startling footnote in a U.S. government agency report, a forecast that global carbon emissions will nearly double by 2100. Trump administration officials are using the dire forecast to support a rollback of Obama-era fuel efficiency standards that would increase carbon emissions. U.S. carbon emissions. Well, how would the – okay. This makes no sense. This makes no sense. I need my – this makes no sense. I don't have it loaded in there, but uh, it it needs to be there. Uh, Yeah, it's it's being used
5: as a justification to lower fuel economy standards. Yeah. Like, it's going to happen anyway. So, so,
1: uh, you know, uh, let's uh, get it while you can. You rich people – have at it because uh we're screwed anyway. Yeah. So to, to minimize
5: this impact, quote, the report emphasizes that the rollback would increase global CO two levels by air quotes just 0. 0.65 parts per million from a baseline of seven eighty-nine point eleven parts per million. So it's 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 only gonna do it this much.
1: Yeah. And then before that there's the headline EPA repeals Obama-era methane rules. Uh and Trump era power. unveils plan to nullify federal rules on coal power plants. You know most of it is bad news. Most of it's bad and ugly. Trump announces plan to weaken Obama era fuel economy rules. Endangered
5: Species Act
1: uh, it's not good. So when I look at this, what I what I get out of this is okay, we've seen what our Congress is, doing in the last two years in which in terms of the environment is basically zippola zero so this is my argument to say i mean all other issues aside this is my argument to say if you want to cast a vote you got to cast it for somebody who believes in protecting our planet because none of the people who are in power and we all know who's in power in washington now they don't care period that's your choice uh and that means you got to go out and vote for somebody who's going to defeat the, a Republican. Period. That because they're all they all suck up to the administration. Nobody's standing up to them. Nobody's saying, "Hey, but what about?" You never hear that. You don't hear that out of Washington. So on almost an objective level here, but it's not. I mean, I I care about the environment. And I care about um, saving the planet for future generations we're not doing it right now. And the only way we're going to do it is if we make profound change right now. And if we don't, okay, then you look at that 7 degrees by the end of the this century. All right? Yeah. Buy some ice cubes right now. It's going to it's going to get warm.
5: Or even the 3.5. Any of them.
1: Yeah. Well, we're we're we can't even stay at 1.5. Um is- that that would be a miracle. 2 is going to happen. Probably 3. Unless we do something right away. And right now this country is doing nothing. So I wanted to call your attention to that if, if you're interested. And again, you can use it uh, if you're looking up an issue and you want to know uh, what National Geographic has to say. Well, National Geographic just culls all of these different stories, whether mm-hmm. it's they're not writing and mostly they're just researching and saying, oh, that's out there. Let's pull that story in.
5: Just tracking.
1: And they're tracking, yeah, all of all of the decisions made in D.C. Uh, this is one of those things when you uh, see something on Facebook and you go, well, that's not true. Well, here's a great place to go. I mean, you can always go to Snopes, Snopes.com. But you can go to this site and track down any particular story and see what they have to say about that. So that's, uh, again... It's a running list of how President Trump is changing environmental policy, and it's a project of National Geographic. Uh, and you can find that uh, link at my website, mikenovac.net, uh, which takes us to the various groups now that are making endorsements. Now, some are not making endorsements. For instance, we, I, I mentioned the Illinois Environmental Council, and oh, I need to say it like Bill Curtis, environmental and um, <laughs> thank you. And we heard Bill's voiceover at the Open Lands luncheon. I knew he was going to be, he's going to be there someplace. I can't get away from him. I knew, I knew Bill Curtis was going to be there. He's like, uh, he and uh, Monica Ang are my nemesis. His, says, 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 your, says.
5: Your nemesis. My
1: nemesis. Um, the Illinois Environmental Council uh, has a couple of things going on. One is their 2018 environmental scorecard. Now, this is not endorsements, to be clear. They cannot do that uh, because of uh, their mandate. Uh, But they look at various bits of legislation that have gone through Springfield, such as SB 3214, solar, Solar Pollinator Certification, SB 2773, Renewable Financing, SB 0486, Solar Property Tax Standardization, Food Donation Policy, Urban Agriculture Areas, Industrial Hemp.
5: Social Disadvantaged farmers. We
1: haven't talked about hemp on this show. We have to do that very soon. Taking a note. Write that down. I, I really want to talk about hemp. We are so backward when it comes to what could be a fantastic crop. In America, uh, and in Illinois, but at any rate, they look at these various policies, and then they scored the legislators in Illinois in the House and the Senate on how they voted. And some of them have a hundred percent environmental ratings. Some
5: have a four percent rating.
1: Really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Are you? Let me. Let me. Where? Where? Who's got a four percent? Oh, you're looking. Okay. There's the Senate voting record. Yeah. Um, I'm scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Was it a Senate or a representative? Uh, I believe it was a representative. A
5: representative. Oh, I'd have to find it. I was reading it last night going, really?
1: <laughs> really, 4%. That's, uh, I don't see it. Maybe you, oh, well, anyway, they've they've got the House voting record. They've got the. Senate voting records. So, if you're it might have been on their website. When you don't forget folks, when you're going to the polls, we have state offices as well. It's not just about federal. Um, and it's important to know. I I was surprised that my state senator has only a 75% record. Uh, and in 2017, he was 100%. Hmm. And it's cuz he's got three not voting. Which they count as a no vote, which they should, because it affects how these uh, measures are scored. So,
5: and and I take that back. It might have been in the League of Conservation Voters where I was seeing. The yeah, 5%. I don't see any yeah. fours here. So I take that back.
1: So, the lowest one I, I see here is a fifty percent, and it's Jeanne Ives. Who else? That's hilarious. Well, that's not surprising. She ran against. Rouner uh, for the nomination for the gubernatorial nomination in in Illinois, and she's about as far right wing as you can get. And it's just sad, you know. It it is kind of sad to 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 say that you know if you're if you're conservative, you don't care about the environment. I would love to say you know there are great conservatives who care about the environment. I don't see them anymore. They're, they don't. It's a it's a it's become it's so extinct. partisan. It doesn't. It just, yeah, it doesn't make sense. So the environment benefits us all. So why are people, why wouldn't a conservative care about the environment? I don't get that. Um, At any rate, by the way, if you want to weigh in, 877-711-5611, we'll take a phone call. Be happy to talk to you. Uh, So we mentioned that. And the other thing that the IEC does, the Illinois Environmental Council, they have have a, a, a list of recommendations on how, The next Illinois governor, whoever that might be, can become an environmental executive. They think that our next governor should commit Illinois to 100% renewable energy and join the U.S. Climate Alliance, enforce environmental laws and appoint qualified staff, provide opportunities for citizen input in approval of permits. Hello, fracking, particularly in environmental justice communities. Lead in reducing nutrient pollution in our waterways. Hello, algae blooms. And plan to conserve and steward irreplaceable open spaces. Hello. That's not in Illinois. I was going to say hello. Bears Ears National Monument. All right. We've got more on this. Again, you can always call us. Write to us on Facebook. We've got that going as well. And on Twitter, 877-711-5611. We'll come back. We've got the Sierra Club Voters Guide. We've got the League of Conservation Voters. Uh, And even uh, Patagonia is getting into the act it's the mike novak show with peggy malecki we'll be right back
0: did you know most farmers travel less than 10 miles to bring fresh food to farmers markets in a green diva minute you'll learn more and be on your way to living a deeper shade of green we all know that local food is fresher healthier and better for the environment here are a couple of more reasons to love your local farmers markets Farmers get about 17.4 cents out of every dollar of food delivered to grocery stores. But they get 90 cents out of every dollar from farmer's market sales. More than 50% of farmer's markets now accept some type of voucher for food assistance programs. What's not to love? Find a farmer's market near you by going to localharvest.org, eatwellguide.org, or the USDA farmer's market directory. I'm Green Diva Meg. Listen to over 500 Green Divas podcasts and learn lots of low stress ways to live a deeper shade of green at thegreendivas.com
1: whether it's March, July, September, or December. If you're a gardener, any time of year is perfect for a subscription to Chicagoland Gardening Magazine. It's the garden magazine for our region and one of the best gardening magazines in the country. Every issue features spectacular photos, articles by noted horticultural authorities, nursery owners, state extension agents, master gardeners, and more. There are columns like Ask the Garden Pros, regional reports, what to do in the garden, and even my column on the inside back page of every issue. I make up stuff and they pay me for it. Go figure. Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, a publication of state-by-state gardening magazines on newsstands everywhere. But go to ChicagolandGardening.com and get a subscription. If you're in other parts of the Midwest or the South, try one of the 21 magazines in those regions by going to StateByStateGardening.com or call 888-265-3600. 888-265-3600.
2: This is your talk. Do you read me? On
1: 1590
6: WCGO, Evanston, Chicago. Come on, is anybody even out
5: there?
1: Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Uh, Before we get to Rick DeMaio. With climate and weather information today, in fact, uh, Peggy sent me a couple of interesting articles that seem to contradict each other. Would you care to elucidate on that?
5: There's a couple of reports that have um, come out this week and uh, prior week uh, from NOAA, and then the Washington Post had another article. Um, NOAA's come out with their winter outlook for... The next three months saying it's probably, now this is all probabilities, Mm -hmm. of drier and slightly above temperature in the Great Lakes and definitely in the Pacific Northwest and wetter than average in the Southeast.
1: But then uh, the Washington Washington Post
5: Post. reported on the the blob.
1: The blob.
5: The blob, the blob, the blob, which is the high pressure that is sitting over... Uh, I believe it's the Gulf of Alaska, um, that is keeping the surface water temperatures much warmer. There has not been freezes yet in Nome and Anchorage and portions of Alaska that should have frozen by now. Um, And
1: And that's pushing that that is pushing
5: the cold down. And that could be a similar situation, depending what happens with El Nino, which they're forecasting to maybe be weaker. How is that going to affect our weather? Polar vortex, things like that.
1: The blob.
8: Alive. It's alive.
0: It's alive.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it is. Weather is a living thing. Have you had your coffee yet? uh, I've been trying. I've got no time for that. Okay.
5: (laughs) So we'll have to ask Rick about the blob and the NOAA forecast.
1: Exactly. And if they actually are contradictory, and I suspect he will say, no, they are not. So... Uh, getting back to our endorsements, and again, you can find all of this information at MikeNovak.net. We pop this up there on the blog. The uh, Sierra Club, uh, both national and Illinois, have guides, and they actually do make endorsements. Uh, one of the things you can do is you can go to the Sierra Club 2018 Sierra Club Voter Guide, and all you have to do is fill in your Information, you enter your address and boom, it will give you the information you need for your, who they're endorsing for local areas. But if you go to uh, the Illinois Sierra Club, it's sierraclub.org slash Illinois slash vote, uh, you can find uh, their recommendations mm-hmm. uh, for the state of yeah. Illinois.
5: State House Reps, uh, Cook County lake county attorney general treasurer governor lieutenant governor we've got a, a variety of endorsements and there's several candidates that there are no endorsements for Att- um uh controller is one of them
1: interesting um and uh so that's that is something else that you can you can read up on um then there is the uh league of conservation voters and they've done this for a long, long time, um, they, uh, they work to turn environmental values into national, state and local priorities, and uh, they, their, their main focus right now, which is as it should be, it's combating climate change. That's their top priority. Uh, they also push for progress in other key issues, including advancing the climate agenda launched by President Obama defending our existing environmental laws from extreme attacks in Congress, keeping dirty fuels in the ground, protecting our public lands and clean water. You know, as I read this, and I'm just reading, reading that list and thinking, none of that's happening right now, none of it. Which is why, folks, you need to get out and vote. You need to get off your duffs, and you need to get out and vote, and you need to help other people vote. And you also need to, if you're uh, listening, not so much in Chicago, because I don't worry about this, but I saw an email from a friend recently who said that even in Illinois, voters are being removed from the rolls. I think the the greatest threat to our democracy really is voter suppression right now. Uh, And if you're in an area that might be uh, subject to that, you ought to... uh, Double and triple check. I can't believe that I'm doing this in Chicago, though. For years, I just show up at the polls because I vote every single time. I've never had an issue. This year, I find myself going online to make sure I'm registered. Have you done that? You, Yeah. Don't get too complacent. I mean, I, I actually, the other day, I went, you know what? Where's my voter ID card? I know it came in the mail. Mm-hmm little paper cardboard thing that comes in the mail from from the wherever the uh, Cook County I guess
5: Oh I haven't gotten one of those and I think every, every county well, does it they, differently yeah although maybe. I did get the here's your early voting polling place last week yeah
1: well I I got my mail. card I cut it put it in my wallet I never do that I've never worried about showing up in my polling place and this year I'm thinking you know what I am not going to let that happen. I am not going to have somebody say th- well you can you can have a provisional ballot you know provisional mm-hmm. ballots go in the composting pile well except they don't compost they go in the landfill um, so be ready, be smart, double check your uh, I saw this online in fact we should uh track it down before the end of the show how to check your voter status uh, and get that information because I did not put this online uh, but We're talking about League of Conservation Voters, and and they do kind of the same thing. You can go to their website, excuse me, you can go to their website and uh, type in your information and see what their recommendations are. Now, you reported to me, I thought this was rather interesting.
5: I I, I was going to pop in real quick with vote.org. There's oh. to be a place to go.
1: okay, good go to vote.org yeah, I think that's where I went the other day i was uh I was getting up early and I happened to be looking at one of the articles that said, you know you might want to check your voter registration. I went, yeah, you know I'm going to and I did I went to vote.org and uh, uh I was on it. that's good uh'm I'm, t- I'm telling you, don't let them steal the elections from you." Uh, the outdoor brand, you sent me this from EcoWatch.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Outdoor brand Patagonia is endorsing candidates for the first time in its history in an effort to protect the country's at-risk public lands and waters. And, and, and the public lands are really at risk. We know that. We've seen what's going on in the Department of the Interior. We've interviewed folks here right on the show about that. Uh, we know that... Uh, The government wants to drill baby drill in as many areas as possible. Uh, So even Patagonia. Um, And they're they're very focused on two crucial
5: Senate races, the reelection of Senator John Tester of Montana and Representative Jackie Rosen, who's trying to unseat Republican Senator Dean Heller in Nevada. Because those are both very much public lands.
1: Yeah. Focused. And Eagle Watch writes, although CEOs give endorsements and corporations donate to candidates all the time, Patagonia's move is likely the first time any U.S. company has explicitly endorsed candidates for office, campaign finance experts told The Washington Post. We are supporting John Tester because he gives a damn about protecting public lands and, like us... He's committed to fight back against anyone who doesn't. Patagonia founder Yvonne Chouinard said in a press release mailed to EcoWatch, he goes to work every day for the 95% of Montanans who believe recreation on public lands is a priority, unlike Republicans in Congress who only serve the fossil fuel industry. Uh, and uh, Patagonia CEO and President Rose Marcario was similarly enthusiastic about Rosen. She'll fight to protect Nevada's public lands and the vibrant outdoor industry that depends on them. Macario said in a press release, "Jackie has a strong record of defending the public lands in Congress and protecting our access to clean air and clean waters." So, good for you. Patagonia. I might have to go go mm-hmm. shop there, get something from Patagonia as a, a reward, or at least you know, send them a an email. Or go to their mm-hmm. their Facebook page and say, wow. Or their Twitter. I'm sure glad you're doing this. So what the Washington Post
5: says is what Patagonia is doing is different for as much money as corporate interests have pumped into politics. After the Supreme Court's Citizen United decision in 2010, Patagonia's pair of endorsements may constitute the first time any corporation has explicitly endorsed a candidate for office,
1: experts say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, um, uh, I hope more – Companies do that, put their money where their mouths are. Um, so that's uh, that's how we lay it out here. our Our mission here, part of our mission on the show, is to protect our natural resources the best way we know how. And one of the best ways is to vote, to get out there. And vote for the candidates who are going to do that. And uh, as I said before, if you're looking nationally, this current administration is not doing that. It's mm-hmm. just not doing that. In fact, not only they are they not doing, you know, that, that's damning with faint praise, isn't it? Uh, not only they're not doing it, they're they're actively and aggressively trying to exploit every square inch of America for the fossil fuel industry, or for private gain. Period. Uh, and it has to be stopped. It just has to be stopped. And the, uh, the best way to do that is in less than three weeks at the, uh, at the polls.
5: And if I can go back to something we said before the last break, commenting about open lands. Well, there's two local issues, the Ileana Expressway yes. and the Route 53 extension, which yeah. are right close to home. And that, again, has a lot to do with what the priorities are.
1: And when we talk open lands, we talk the organization OpenLands.org, but also the broader sense the, the of word o- open lands. lands, two words. And uh, we were talking to Randall about the Ileana Tollway because he, he comes that way and um, he, he gets it. I mean, he doesn't want to get stuck behind a truck on Route 30, as he said, but he also knows that it would irreparably harm... The Natural areas down that way, like Medewa National Tallgrass Prairie, where we broadcast from just a few weeks ago. So that's that that's got to be stopped. And the Route 30 expansion, and, and, and route, fi-
5: route 53, I'm sorry, Route 53, rather the um Hackman-Tack.
1: right? Hackamattac, uh, uh, area, and uh, Lake County, where you you live. All right, Rick DeMaio coming up, we're gonna ask him about. Well, blobs when we come back. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. From boat to doorstep.
5: Fall is a perfect time to reflect on the beauty of trees and your memory about a favorite tree could win you tickets to illumination, tree lights at the Morton Arboretum this coming holiday season. Or you could get a spot in an Open Lands Treekeeper course. Just tell a story about a tree that has special meaning to you. To enter, submit your tree story online through the end of October to Tremendous Trees, a project of the Morton Arboretum and Open Lands. Go to tree-stories.org.
7: Are you looking for a new ride? Ready to leave gas stations in the dust and speed down the highway 0 to 60 in under 3 seconds? Well, here's your chance. The Illinois Solar Energy Association is raffling off a 2018 Tesla Model X, the award-winning all-electric SUV, and only 2,500 tickets will be sold. Come on. We all know fossil fuels are going the way of the dinosaurs, but you don't have to. Switch your ride to an electric car by entering the 2018 Illinois Solar Energy Association raffle. All it takes is one ticket for $100 or increase your chances by getting four tickets for $300 at illinoisolar.org. So bury your fossil fuel car, go green with Tesla, and be part of a cleaner tomorrow. All raffle proceeds will fully benefit the Illinois Solar Energy Association, a nonprofit working to advance solar energy development throughout the state of Illinois. Winner will be drawn at the ISEA member meeting on December 6, 2018, and does not need to be present. Anyone in the continental U.S. is eligible, so get your tickets, the rules, and other small print details at illinoisolar.org today.
5: The Simpsons.
1: You wanted something for Rick DeMaio, so we can in- introduce him as uh, Rick Simpson. Now, here with weather and climate live. Hey, hey Rick Simpson, how are you?
6: Um, boy, I was I was hoping you'd have like a a loud, shrieking voice coming from a fat lady that's singing to signify the end of the growing season.
1: Uh, there was th- that that could happen. Two. Uh. uh the, what? I, all I've got. All I've got right now is. Shut up, Wesley. Okay. There you go. This makes no sense. Now, yes.
6: I, I need a little bit of Keith Smith going here.
1: Uh. If I track it down, I'll let you know. All right. Yeah.
6: Like God bless my
1: annuals. <laughs> it no, no, was
6: quite no. the season. <laughs> How about
1: that? Yeah. Well, even in my yard this morning. Now, I did not find any ice. There was no nothing seemed to be frozen, but uh, some of the plants had right. some of the plants had collapsed.
6: Yeah, that's because Mike. I think you raised a good point there. Um, we only got down to um, thirty degrees at Midway, and technically twenty eight degrees for four hours is a hard freeze. Mm-hmm. And when I was up at the um, College of Lake County on Friday. Um, Waukegan got down to 26 degrees, which is basically mm. a stone's throw from Grays Lake and Gurney there. <clears throat> Excuse me, you could definitely tell that everything that was in the ground uh, was basically frozen right through the core uh, of the stem. The, the, basically, the, the, the top of the plant had that kind of dark green look. Mm. So, I wouldn't be surprised if people had their impatience still um, in the pots right up close to the house. Uh, They probably actually made it through the evening. I was even looking at the University of Chicago um, heliport, um, which is, I think, about 150 feet above the ground. It only got down to 32 degrees. So most likely the urban heat island of the city of Chicago probably saved us from a hard freeze. And you know what? We're not going to see anything close to that for the next five days. So you may get a little bit more out of your plants
1: for the next five days. Right. So if they made it through last night, and a lot of mine did. Yeah. I -hmm. mean— most of mine did. There are some uh, tender ones that uh, took a hit, uh, but even those seemed to be partially affected. Uh, however, last week when we had uh, – we dodged this uh, this freeze and you said the, Her- Herban, the urban heat island wins again. And I yeah. – ha- well, and I and – I, the, the, the problem is the day before when I saw the forecast, I removed the rest of my tomatoes. All right, so I had... Yeah, a-
6: that that probably wasn't a bad idea, don't you think?
1: I, well, except we did, it didn't it did even... I don't think it came close to freezing in yeah, my backyard. Yeah, they probably right, weren't yeah, going to I think it got down, down to
6: like 32 or 33,
1: yeah. Yeah, I and so I, I had all these green... Tom- <laughs> now I have all these green tomatoes in the house, and I have to <laughs> figure out what to do mm-hmm. with them.
6: <clears throat> yeah, fry them up and make a movie out of it.
1: <laughs> uh... <laughs>
6: I'm sorry. I'm on a roll today. Uh, yeah. Notice, uh, notice, I'm, I'm, in a, I'm in a chuckly mood because I didn't watch any Meet the Press or or this week or anything like that because I just I can't watch that stuff right now. No, but,
5: you watched college football yesterday, and
6: all of our teams did well. Oh my God! Yeah, wasn't that great? Seeing seeing uh, Wisconsin and Illinois slip and slide on a snow-covered field. You wouldn't believe how many of those photographs went through uh, different uh, National Weather Service uh you know facebook pages and 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 twitter and instagram it's like as as long as you get some snow on the ground someplace during the football game it basically has national coverage it's really especially when it's in october
1: and and uh i texted rick at that time and i said hey it's (laughs) it's sleeting in chicago and he busts my chop. he busts my chops (laughs) and what did you tell me rick
6: well, th- there is a difference between sleep um, and snow grains. In fact, uh, I don't know who I was watching briefly yesterday morning at about 6 o'clock. I got up early, I turned the TV on, and the weathercast said, yeah, hey, we'll have some rain mixed with sleet today. I'm like, no, 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 That's not sleet. Sleet is when you have um, snow falling from about three, 4,000 feet above the ground, and it then falls into a warmer layer, and it melts. And then, right at the surface, um, it's generally about a 1,500 to about 2,000 foot layer of below freezing temperatures. And what mm-hmm. happens there is the liquid snowflake uh, that's now a raindrop actually goes back to an ice pellet, or ice not goes back to, but becomes an ice pellet. And it's usually more of a clearer um, kind of looking pellet. Yesterday was not that. Yesterday was actually the temperature was very warm near the surface compared to what it was above the surface. So with sweet, you have an inverted temperature profile, with, with snow grains, which is what we had yesterday, the temperature basically decreases very rapidly from the ground up all the way to like 10,000 feet. So there's no inversion. So what happens is the air is being lifted so fast that you end up with these large snowflakes, and then as the air comes back down to the ground in the downdraft, the snow is actually moving into a warmer environment. So what happens is you get three, four, five, six, seven, maybe eight, nine, or ten flakes kind of coalesce into one, and then it melts, and then it forms kind of like this like little bit of soft pellet mm-hmm. or grain of snow, which is called grapple. Uh, that's the European term, or what we call here a snow grain or a snow pellet. So that it actually no formed from a different convective um, environment temperature-wise compared to sleep.
5: Yeah, it was 50 degrees, and I was standing outside with the stuff... Coming down heavily, going, what and is so, happening? So
1: he tells me it's <clears throat> right, grapple. Right, but
6: but when, but when it was, it's called grapple, G R A U um, P E L. It's called grapple. But the thing about the pig is it may have been 50 degrees five minutes before it fell, but while it was falling, I guarantee you it was like 35 or 36. So so it's literally like getting um, a spring shower or or or, or, or a thunderstorm but you're about 30 degrees cooler, and the atmosphere above is so cold that the downdraft actually allows the air from about 10,000 feet to get all the way down to the surface. So. Um, and what was amazing about it yesterday, these were moving at about 30 to 35 miles an hour from the northwest to the southeast. So not only did they transport uh, downward-moving air, which would be vertical— mm-hmm. Uh, but also horizontal. So you add those two components, and the resultant vector is like 55 to 60-mile-an-hour wind gusts, which is what we had um, at Midway Airport and at Lewis University Airport. It was really quite amazing.
1: It really was. I saw some of those. I thought, you know, 10 more uh, miles per hour, and it's a hurricane.
6: Oh, yeah, Mike. That actually went into um, severe weather reports as a severe weather event because it was associated with a convective burst of precipitation, uh, which is really, I can't remember the last time we had something like that. Um, It may have been back in like the early 2000s where we had one of those early October snow uh, snow Mm -hmm. bursts, but usually that is when it will occur. You need to have enough um, strong October sun, um, and it typically has to happen uh, early to mid-afternoon, because by the time it happens late in the day, the sky fills up with clouds. And it'll never happen at night. Yeah, there so It's even... always going to be anywhere between like 10 a.m. and about 2 p.m.
1: All right, uh, and and you tell me gropple, and I go, that's he just made that word up. And then, of course, later in the day, I, I read something in a paper, and they used the word gropple, and I went, oh, you gotta yeah. be kidding yeah. me. Okay, all right. <laughs> I, I, I I saw
6: I saw a great picture. Someone said gropple on my flowers.
1: <laughs> uh... I love it.
6: Uh, <laughs> crop on my flowers. That makes no sense.
1: All right, let's get a forecast. <laughs> let's get a forecast yeah, here. Uh,
6: uh, this is about as good as it gets for mid-October uh, leaf keeping, as we call it out east, and probably here in the Midwest as well. Uh, clear today. The winds already turned around to the southwest, um, so that'll keep us from staying cold. So southwest winds today, sunny, fifty for a high. Normal is sixty, and when we get back close to normal, normal will be. About 55 degrees, and that may be by the end of the week. So no rain for the next five days. Um, off and on, clear to partly cloudy skies, very dry pattern, mid-30s at night, and low to mid-50s for the next five days. Could even see 60 by the end of the week. So we're not done with the warm weather yet, but 70s, hour to that. All you right. got the fat lady ring for that as well.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, Mr. Grapple, we'll see you next time.
6: <laughs> see ya.
1: All right. I want to thank everybody on the show today, Dan Costa, B.J. Miller. Me, Peggy, Randall, and, uh... Andrew. Yeah, that's right. And until next time, go green or... Go home.
6: Uh, Stadler. Yeah, what? Is that it? Yes, it's over. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much. A (laughs)
5: lie.
0: It's a lie.